Today we have some minor league signings, some invites to spring training. We have some coaching staff updates at the minor league level across the organization. And there was a pretty big signing within the division that we should probably talk about as well. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. All right, everybody. So as we said in the cold open, we have some organizational additions and updates, just like news and notes to catch up on. Over the last few days, we just haven't had time to because Gregory Soto happened, right? Uh, polarizing player on the field, which led to his departure being rather polarizing as well. So we definitely, none of these are, are like huge, significant additions or anything. So uh, definitely did not take priority over Monday's episode and over the Gregory Soto deal. So uh, we're just going to catch up and, and, and talk about some, because we did make a couple of minor league signings that... Uh, could make an impact this season. One of them as a spring uh, invite to spring training. So potential to, to get on the major league roster for him for sure. Uh, and then we have some coaching staff updates in the minors. And then we're going to talk about Correa as well. And if we have any time at the end, we'll talk a little bit just more about like the ramifications of the Gregory Soto deal, where the roster stands currently, etc. But uh, if we don't have time for that, then that'll be pushed to Friday's show. So that is today's show. Let's get right into it. I think uh, let's just start with some of the the signings, okay? I think that that makes the most sense. That's the I don't want to say the most pressing because none of this is super pressing, but that's uh, I think where we're going to start. So uh, Chase Chasen Streve, your newest Detroit Tiger, signed to a minor league deal. Uh, I think a couple of days ago now, as you're listening to this. With an invite to spring training, and if he were to make the major league roster, then it would become a major league contract, and his his pay, his salary, would increase. So uh, we'll see what happens, and and yeah, it's all going to come down to what happens in the spring. That's pretty much all there is to it. So uh, th- this is a pretty this is a pretty interesting one for sure. You know, I, I also want to say like I, I get burned sometimes for talking about like minor league additions and stuff. And like, that, that's totally fair. Like some things that are important to me are important to other people. And I, I totally get that. Like I'm, I'm definitely uh, like kind of like all in with, <laughs> with, with this team. And, and I like, I just want to know like everything. Like I want to know all, everything that, that happens with this team, every addition that is made, like these dudes have a chance, especially Streve, like has a legitimate chance to be a major leaguer. So uh, I, I, I like, I, I apologize if this is like, not uh, again, like I understand some moves are more important than others, and and some people just really like don't care about some of the moves, and and I get some heat for it. But like this is this is interesting to me, so we're going to talk about it because at the end of the day, unfortunately, it's my show. So uh, let's talk about Streif. You know, initially this happens, and people just immediately look at the six and a half ERA last year, which was objectively true. He had a six and a half ERA last year, so uh, that 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 is real. 
And that's something that you can definitely point to. But I think that this one's a lot more about about profile and just about fit. Like that, that I think even more so than profile, just like fit within this team and with this coaching staff. It's it's just it's kind of spot on to what this team accomplished last year pitching wise. So six and a half ERA, yes, okay, for sure. If you look at the the strikeout numbers, were a little bit better, just a hair, like a an ever so slim better than his career strikeout per nine numbers. So his career strikeout rate, just in general. So you have that going for you. It's about where he's been at strikeout wise, uh, which was an improvement over 2021 when he took a big step back. So that's good to see. But the biggest thing is he had the lowest walk numbers of his entire career. Uh, the only year that he's had lower walk numbers in his whole career was his I guess technically rookie season in 2014 but that was only 12 innings pitched so with every other year outside of 2019 where he only pitched in two innings every other year is like a legitimate you know 25 to even 60 innings pitched uh and he has been a career like almost four and a half walk per nine pitcher whereas last year he dropped that to under three and a half so that's obviously a great sign and clearly he he was working on that now again that came at the I don't want to say at the expense because I, I don't want to make it sound like it's a direct correlation with him but uh he he did cut down the walk numbers significantly but had a six and a half ERA and that's all totally fair so let's look at his 2021 when he had a three two ERA and was walking a lot more hitters really the the Biggest thing to just talk about is that he is a barrel missing pitcher and he is a lefty. I should have started with that. That's totally on me. That's 100% my my fault. Uh, He is a lefty and that's obviously something that makes his value a lot greater, especially with this organization. As we talked about on Monday after the Gregory Soto trade, you only really have Tyler Alexander as a guaranteed penciled in lefty reliever for this team as it stands right now so invite to spring for Streve and has the potential to to be another lefty in this in this uh bullpen in this arm barn but the type of pitcher he is and ha- that he has been we're going to look at 2021 just because that's the most recent good year he had uh very very good at missing barrels and we talk about if you listen to my show during the regular season uh i, I kind of break down pitches into four categories and they're this pitch doesn't miss anything it gets barreled up which is not good then you have barrel missing pitches you have bat missing pitches and then you have pitches that miss bats by so much they make hitters look goofy right and that's obviously like that would be great if every pitch did that just did that but that's not the reality of of just baseball so this dude really had a lot of success being a barrel misser. Uh, did not miss very many bats. Low whiff rate, low strikeout numbers. Obviously, we talked about some pretty high walk numbers. And that's all all true. And at the end of the day, this is a minor league signing. Like, this is a, a like we're not bringing this dude in to replace Gregory Soto. This is, guy isn't going to get the ninth. He might not even make the team. So, like, the, the instant just we sign anybody and everybody's like, oh, this dude sucks. This is awful. This is a depth signing. Like we're, we're taking some shots in the dark. This is what front offices are supposed to do. You're just going to hold on to everybody. Like, no, 
It's just it's, <laughs> there's some crazy overreactions out there. Again, we talked about this last week. You're mad at the overall offseason. You're not mad at the addition of Chase and Streve. Like, you're not. <laughs> you got to realize that. Um, so with Streve, 94th percentile in hard hit percentage in 2021. 94th, almost top 5% in the league in hard hit rate uh, against uh, 82nd percentile in expected batting average, 70th percentile in expected slug, 63rd in barrel percentage, 68th in average exit be- below, 70th percentile in spin fastball spin rate. So definitely some some optically some good stuff there. And, and when when we first brought this up, I talked about how he was a really good fit with this coaching staff, and I think that. This profile is something we saw like 15 times just over and over. It seems like every pitcher really fit this bill uh, in on the team last year. And this is something that Fetter really excels at, being able to get production out of guys that have not necessarily very high strikeout rates but can miss barrels. And that's, again, something that this staff as a whole, all the players and this coaching staff, really excelled at so he kind of fits into that bill as well uh i'm totally like we're taking a chance on him for sure why not totally down with it uh he's a three pitch pitcher fastball slider and the second most used pitch is technically i guess a change i don't i shouldn't say technically some people classify it as a change up some a splitter it's pretty fast for a change up so that's why i guess only he would know i'd have to look at the fingering for, for the pitch to, to really uh, be, be able to determine in my eyes what it is, but it, it's a fast changeup. I guess we'll call it that. Uh, and yeah, so there you go. Three pitch mix lefty, good barrel misser, cut the walk rate down last year. Uh, very high ERA last year too, though. So we'll see. It's all going to come down to what he does in the spring. He'll certainly be in the mix for winning a bullpen job out of camp though. So I cannot wait for baseball to be back. Like, I know that this team is where it's at, and and it's probably not going to be a a super great season in terms of the win loss column. But I just love this game so much. I I I missed it, you know, the day after the regular season ended. Even though the season went as terribly as it did, like I I just I can't wait to to start overreacting about spring training, and like I I just I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, so Chasen Streve, your newest Detroit Tiger. We're going to talk about another minor league signing, and then we will talk about uh, the coaching staff a little bit and then Correa. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends of every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season, basketball, World Cup is over now, but Point remains, they've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline.net as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Second segment here of Locked on Tigers Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Sound familiar? Just like us, baby. Okay, 
Let's talk about uh, let's just talk about the other minor league signing. Then we'll get into the coaching staff after that. So uh, the next man up is Anuris Zabala. If I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, I mean absolutely no disrespect. Uh, but Zabala is a, a a very intriguing one for sure in my eyes. So last season, he's 26 years old. He's a righty. He's a reliever. Okay, been a reliever pretty much since he was like 18 years old. Pretty much every ever since he's been a professional, he's been in, out of the bullpen. He throws gas. Okay, this is like a 99, 100 mile an hour dude. And if you're wondering why this was just like out there to for a team to sign, it's because Zabala had just. I'm going to be honest with you, unbelievable walk numbers last year in, in a negative connotation. His walk per nine in AAA in 2022, this is in 23 innings pitched, was 10.65. And in three innings in AA was nine, which means that he just, you know, walked a dude an inning in, in three innings, which is is something. So, I, I mean, golly. 10.65. Now, it, again, only 23 innings is like a sizable sample size, but it's not the – his whole career is not 10.69 walk per nine is what I'm trying to say, okay? If if you take a look back – now, I'm not saying that these are low numbers by any stretch of the imagination. However, they're usually around like four, five, a couple of six walk per nine seasons in there. So he has some trouble with, with the walks. And again, this is a minor league deal. Before you get all angry, oh, he's terrible. What the heck? This is a all teams sign a million minor leaguers every December and January to try to take some shots in the dark on dudes. Okay, we're taking a shot in the dark on this guy who can throw a hundred. Just definitely has some control stuff he's got to work on, and uh, they're going to see if the we've talked about how the pitching development side of the organization has gotten better. They're gonna they're gonna take a crack at it and see if they can uh, get Zabala to to maybe lower those walk per nine numbers. But on the flip side, it's also important to note that he has some pretty great strikeout numbers as well. Uh, an eleven point oh two K per nine in high single A in twenty twenty one, a fourteen point seven K per nine in double A in twenty twenty one in twenty six innings, and then even paired with the ten point six five walk per nine, which is unbelievable. Uh, he also had. Uh, and 11.41 K per nine in 23.2 innings pitched in AAA last season. So uh, pitched two and two-thirds innings in the major leagues for the Miami Marlins. That is where he has been for uh, actually just last season. That was in Philly, Cincinnati, LA. He's kind of been uh, bouncing around all over the place. But last year in the Marlins organization, did pitch two and two-thirds. They were scoreless, uh, but not too – I mean – it's two and two thirds innings, whatever. Biggest thing, again, just a dude that throws very, very hard and has some serious command stuff that he's got to work on. Tigers are going to see what they can do. So that's kind of uh, intriguing, I guess we'll call it. Interesting, some might say. Okay, uh, that's it for the minor league signings. Again, nothing huge. Minor league dudes, they're going to see what they have in them. Let's talk about the coaching staff. There's nothing huge here either, but there's definitely some names that I want to just bring up and, and talk about a little bit on the show just because those those 
coaching staffs were announced on Tuesday. Uh, first off, we have Anthony Iopose, I believe is the pronunciation. Again, if I'm incorrect, I mean, no disrespect, obviously, but that is the new general general manager. That is the new manager for AAA for the Toledo Mudhens. Uh, he has some experience coaching in the Red Sox tree in the Red Sox organization, and he was on the hitting side of things. So that's kind of cool. Kind of going for, for an offensive hitting approach there for manager in AAA. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, first time manager, I believe, as a professional. The other big one is uh, Mike Hessman is still the hitting coach of AAA Toledo. Mike Hessman, for those who don't know, is the all-time record holder for home runs as a minor leaguer. Uh, he's, I think some article called him the real life crash Davis. So, uh, definitely a, a fan favorite. He did it. He broke the record in a mud hens uniform as well, which is super cool. Uh, spent quite a few years in the tigers organization as, as a player. So seeing him stick around as a hitting coach too, that's, that's not lightly like that. We, we should not take that lightly. That's a prominent position, especially for just like development purposes. Uh, I mean, this is, that's a, that's a pretty big role so uh props to mike hessman for making a a career after being a player uh ryan garco is the the kind of the head of well vp of player development for the team so a lot of this falls under his wing so clearly garco finds something good in mike hessman's hitting uh hitting coach abilities which is kind of a cool thing Double A Erie, obviously the seawolves were one of the biggest stories within the entire organization last year made the playoffs uh, won a playoff series, made the championship for the first time in their history. Super cool. So Gabe Alvarez, the manager there. Uh, nothing really else to report down there. The only other person I really want to bring up is Brian Pena remains the manager of the uh, high A West Michigan Whitecaps. He's been the manager there for what, three years? Maybe give or take a season on that. And I, I just, I love Brian Pena. I loved him when, a, when he was a player, was a player for the Tigers for those who remember and Brian Pena just rocks like by every single account is just like the ultimate players manager is very, very good at his job, uh, really helps these kids with development. Like Brian Pena is just awesome. And so it's super cool to see him still with the organization and still with West Michigan. And, and I don't know if that's intentional or not just like, like, I don't know if he's really asked to be promoted or throw his hat in the ring of like, hey, maybe I like, I don't know if he applied to the Mudhens manager opening or not, but he's been there for a few years now. It's just, it, it's very nice to have in the lower level, the levels of the minors, just somebody that you, you just know is like running a good ship. And the rest of his entire staff was, was gutted and is brand new. So uh, definitely something to, to keep an eye on there, but uh, Brian Pena rocks and and if he wants to again I don't know if his like goals and aspirations are to become a major league manager or move up within the organization or what but uh, I have a hard time believing that he won't be able to accomplish that just given all the the praise that he's received over the last few years since becoming the manager of the Whitecaps so very cool that he's still around and I think that's about it for the coaching side of things let's talk Correa we'll do that right after this All right, everybody, welcome back. Third and final segment here, Lockdown Tigers. So uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you're very aware that 
Carlos Correa has turned into a saga, a circus, whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it has been a ride. It has been a wild, wild ride. And he has officially signed with the Minnesota Twins. Now, it is important to note that at the time of this recording, that is still pending physical. That is very important to note. Now, I do think that this one gets done. Uh, and I know that that might, <laughs> might make me sound stupid. But uh, not just because it's the third team or like whatever, not just because like, oh, how many more times can it happen? Like not, not that simple. I believe this one's getting done because of the way the contract is structured. I think at this point, this is about as good as Correa can expect. And on the flip side, I think that this is a brilliantly structured deal for the Minnesota twins. Okay. So it's a six year guaranteed deal that has the potential to be like a 10 year deal when it's all said and done. Um, the first six years, he is making $30 million, well, over $30 million AAV. Okay. So the first three years are 36 mil. 2026 is 31 and a half. 2027 is 30 and a half. 2028 is 30 mil. So there's no options. There's no vesting options. There's no team options. It is just the next six years. He is going to be a Minnesota twin. Now, when you look at the Mets and especially the Giants, when it was, you know, what, what 11 years, 13 years, whatever it was, like that, that's clearly a, a big, that's half of that guaranteed, right? So, so you have a big step down in years there, but he's still getting, I mean, he's still an over 30 mil AAV player over six years. Like that's still, I think, a win for his camp. Where it becomes crazy intriguing is after year six. So in 2029, he has a $25 million vesting option or a team opt-out. And the vesting option is contingent on him having 575 plate appearances in the previous season. 2030 is a $20 million vesting option for 550 plate appearances or also a team opt-out. 2031, a $15 million vesting option for 525 plate appearances, also with a team opt-out. And 2032 is 10 mil vesting, 502 plate appearances, shocker, also, or a team opt-out. This is crazy. So the last four years, it's all vesting options. He's going to have to have between 500 and 600 plate appearances for each of those years for the vesting option to go into effect. But the craziest part of this whole thing to me is that even besides the vesting option, each year there is a team opt-out. So he could have 600 plate appearances in each of those years. And the twins could still just look at him and go, no, thanks. We're done. And to incentivize them not doing that, the AAV goes down five mil a year for each year, 25 mil, 20 mil, 15, 10. It's just crazy. And, like, it, it's the Twins. Uh, am I afraid of the Twins in 2023? No. But, like, no one's afraid of my team either. So, like, like my the Tigers will be worse than the Twins probably. I'm not trying to say that. But as far as, like, the AL Central outlook goes, I, I don't think this move just, like, makes the – like, they had Carlos Correa last year and we're good. So, like, I don't think that this move makes the Twins, like, really good immediately. But they have a franchise – 
Shortstop, franchise cornerstone at a premier position. They have two of them at two premier positions in Buxton and Correa up the middle. So, uh, I, I mean, this is a, I think this is a great move for Minnesota. Uh, I, I think I, I don't know his market very well, but I would imagine that this is probably close to as good as he could have gotten Correa being uh, with, with given everything that's gone on. And, and apparently, I mean, his leg just he has to be hiding under like a, a pirate peg leg uh, under his pants, like under his baseball pants for this to be like what what's occurred. Like, I, I, I can't imagine I'm not a doctor. I'm not nearly smart enough to be one. But I can't imagine what they are seeing to make every team be like, we want him right now. And then they take one look at an x-ray and are like, oh, my goodness, my eyes are bleeding. Make it go away. No way are we signing you. It's just it's wild to me. And so the Twins are going to be the one to take that risk. That obviously impacts the Tigers a lot. Uh, the, the Twins as a team, we'll talk about a little bit. They just have they have a lot that they need to figure out before I, I am really looking at that. Like I still have my eyes majority on Cleveland, obviously who I've always respected, even when people like stopped kind of giving them credit just before this season, honestly um, like Cleveland's going to be around. They, they have an, an evergreen model where they're just always going to be the, around, like just barely better than a 500 baseball team. And, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So, they're going to be around. They're, they're definitely the team to, like, you kind of have to pass them to be in the consideration for the top of the division at least. And then Chicago, who knows? Like, after such a great year two years ago, had such a just catastrophic failure of a season this past year, much like us, you know, no disrespect. We went through the same thing. But uh, their expectations were much higher than the Detroit Tigers, and they had a really brutal season. So who knows what to expect out of them? And then the Royals are down there with us. They're, the Royals are are in a never-ending rebuild. So, uh, I, I mean, it's it, it really is. There's some – I don't know. I don't know. I, like I said, in the immediate, I don't think this makes the Twins any – well, it obviously doesn't make them any better than they were last year because they had him. But uh, they, they got a cornerstone player. And they have a lot of stuff on the pitching side of things specifically that they got to figure out for me to, to really fear them in the long run, but uh, you know, they're certainly one step closer. And I think we'll just end on the immediate discussion within this fan base. When he signed the deal with the twins was like, why couldn't we have done that? We could have end of show. We could have, there's no hard hitting analysis. There's no conspiracy. There's no, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this angle. What if, what if, objectively straight up the Detroit Tigers absolutely could have done this hundred percent and the Miggy contract doesn't matter for a multitude of reasons one first and foremost and I mean foremost uh the Miggy contract is the greatest lie ever told by this ownership group that has never been a, a reason why the, this team could not spend this payroll has been toward the bottom of baseball for the last six years. They were consistently in the top of baseball when they were good. With the Miguel Cabrera contract, they have been in the bottom 10 at least, bottom half for the last six, seven years. Miggy's contract has not stopped anything from, from any player from being signed. 
That, that's just, like I said, that is truly one of the greatest lies ever told by this ownership group. And even if you do believe that and you're like, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about, that's wrong. Well, Miggy's contract is off the books in nine months. So <laughs> even if you do believe that and you're like, oh yeah, no, like the Miggy contract, when that's off the books, we'll spend again. It's off the books in less than a year. And you'd be signing Correa for six to 10 if you did the exact same structure of the Minnesota Twins deal. And I'm not up here telling you that like they needed to get Correa. And I'm not heartbroken over it because this was never going to happen. The Tigers were never going to be in on this. They never were on this. This was never going to happen. Like this isn't even a Tigers story. This is a Twins story. The only reason I'm bringing it up is to just point out the fact that if they wanted to, they absolutely could have, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That's all. Okay? This, yeah. That's, I I, want to figure out if I want to keep talking or not. That that really is it, though. And this season is going to be, I don't want to call it a stopgap, but it's going to be an audition year for a lot of players. This year for the Tigers, uh, come to terms with it, is going to be a year where they play a lot of youth, and they see what they have in a lot of these kids. And next year, hopefully, is the year that they they thin out the herd even more of like players that that aren't really that that well got playing time in 2023 and didn't do anything with it. And then they'll continue to have a ton of roster turnover throughout the year and after next offseason. And, and maybe they'll make some more additions then. But uh next year's free agency class kind of stinks to be honest with you. And even aside from the Miggy deal, you are getting like all of your deals off the books this next season after 2023. Outside of Javi Baez, that like that's it. He's the only person, and like Erod is opting out. Deal, like come to terms with it. Eduardo Rodriguez, if he's not traded, which is why everyone thinks he is going to get traded, he, if he just stays healthy, he's opting out. I, I I can I can promise you. Okay. So the only and Javi technically has an opt-out too, but that's a conversation for a different day. Like I I don't think Javi's gonna opt out. I think he would have to have a monster year. And even then, I, I don't know. I don't know. He he's gonna be in his 30s. That's gonna that that's a little more risky for him. So Assuming the Erod opt-out and assuming Javi doesn't opt-out, you will be obligated to pay contractually one player on this baseball team past 2023. And I know we have a ton of players under team control and we have players in arbitration, and that's obviously not how it's going to work. We're not just going to roll out one player and just get rid of everybody. I understand that. But contractually, you will be legitimately playing one player after this upcoming season, one, your payroll is going to be like 50 something mil and like half of it's going to be to Javi. So like, don't let anyone tell you that the Tigers couldn't have done this deal financially. They could have. And I don't know. I'm not trying to point fingers at Harris. I'm not trying to point fingers at Illich even like, I don't know who's responsible for it. And, and uh, again, I, I, I just want to reiterate, I will send you on your way and stop rambling, I promise. But I, I'm not heartbroken over this. This is not a big deal. I, I never expected to be in the race. 
this is not even a story in my head. The only reason I'm having this conversation is because immediately people are like, why didn't the Tigers do this? They could have. If they really wanted to, they could have, but they don't want to, so they didn't. End of story. I came to terms with the fact that they didn't want to 12 to 15 months ago. That's all. Okay? There's still some stuff to look forward to this year, and uh, we, we will still we'll still be here through it. And I cannot wait for baseball season. I can't wait, truly. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Lockdown Sports. No, the Lockdown MLB Prospects Podcast. You can check on Lockdown Sports today, too. But the Lockdown MLB Prospects Podcast, where host Lindsey Crosby, the prospect encyclopedia, goes deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. I think that's all I got for you. Carlos Correa, interdivision for at least the next six years. That's going to be fun. Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope, and I'll catch you all on Friday, baby. Go Tigers.